Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Today we have a huge guest. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Um, her name is Dr. Jolene Brightman. Brighton. She is the like leading expert on the pill these days. If you are thinking about getting on the pill, off the pill, and you're looking for a book, this one is going to come up. So she's the author of Beyond the Pill. She's a nutritional biochemist and naturopathic physician. She's the founder and clinic director of the Rubes, of Rubes Health. It's an integrative women's clinic in California and Oregon. And if you guys have been following me at all on social media over the past like six weeks, you know that I am going to be getting off the pill in September. And I'm not doing, I'm not telling everyone this because it's like, Oh, there might be a baby in my tummy in September. It's because I am going to most likely have a huge outbreak of acne. And um, I just want to kind of like speak on behalf of so many girls out there who struggle with hormonal acne like I used to when I was not on the pill. So there's this thing called post birth control syndrome that Dr. Brightman is, Brighton is an expert in. And, um, we are that's that's what we're fundam that's what we're talking about her talking with her about the most today is like just what to expect from your body when you get off the pill and what this syndrome is basically right? yeah because yeah. i have no idea yeah so we're going to get her on the phone now and we're going to go around the table and kind of discuss all our relationships with the pill <laughs> all right here we go she's coming in the zoom I'm super stoked for this podcast, Ashley, and I'm really happy you put it together because I feel like a lot of my friends have actually um, been thinking about getting off birth control in general just because we're in quarantine. Oh, yeah. So I time. Think, exactly. Yeah, I kind of wish I did it back in January, you know, because I could have had this whole birth post-birth control syndrome um, off off the public. <laughs> off the public. <laughs> off the public. Off the public. <laughs> Dr. Brighton, are you there? I am. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God. Your your hair is so fabulous. I love it. (laughs) So nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you as well. Um, Yeah, we're about to have a tropical storm, which we thought was a hurricane rolling in. So my hair is great for the hair outside yeah lauren Beautiful. it's her- it's still like a little I wet said, great for the hair <laughs> lauren is-, is this hurricane hannah correct oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm from florida so the names are so important to me oh yeah i'm like i don't even know they were like well no if it's a hurricane like when it gets here i'm like that's not how it's supposed to work but hmm. yeah i don't know there's also like IL nine something that I've seen them talking about. So I don't really know. It doesn't it looks like it's just gonna be a tropical storm. It's not gonna actually be a hurricane. But so fun. Some news news reporters. I'm dying to be in a tornado, okay? I just keep having dreams about tornadoes. I'm just like ready for it. Lauren wanted to be a her first job that she wanted to have was a meteorologist. Was it after I wanted to to be a storm chaser? Was it because you saw Twister? I feel like that really changed the game. No, it was because Ashley and I were like driving home from the mall when I was in third grade and there was like a funnel cloud coming from the sky, and I was so scared about it that I just kind of wanted to 
learn about it. There Aww. we go. All right, let's get back on the anyway, topic. Another story. Your period. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of funnel storms, let's talk about our period. <laughs> That's good. All right. So, <laughs> Dr. Brighton and I went back and forth on Instagram. I don't know if you remember, like a month ago when I was reading your book and I was asking you all these questions. I was like, can I be on this? Can I be on that? Well, getting off the pill or the month leading up to it. But right now, we'll, we'll get to supplements and vitamins and how to get yourself off the pill later. But right now, I just wanted to talk about each of our relationships with the pill. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you were on it. We've all been on it at some point. I have been on it for nine years now. I was on it for my cystic hormonal acne. Um, it has created a great life for me as far as I could tell. I never gained weight on it. I never had really any sort of symptom. My periods got lighter. Um, no cramps. I used to like have to take that Advil like the morning of my period. And the, and my skin completely cleared up. The only downside is I've have, have, have had absolutely no libido. <laughs> Naz? <laughs> okay, so my relationship with the pill, uh, my only relationship. Um, so I had really painful. <laughs> my, I've had really, growing up, I had extremely excruciating painful periods, the ones that I would skip school for, um, you know, extreme blow, really, really heavy. Um, my, I come from a very religious background, so my parents didn't really believe in birth control growing up. Um, so it wasn't until college until I got on the pill, which is now um, eight or so years ago. Um, And then when I moved to LA, I went to a gynecologist and discovered that I had fibroids, had to get um, a surgery right away because they said it was going to like crush my ovary. And so once I got on the pill, um, my period got a lot better, obviously. When I did the surgery, they found out I had endometriosis. They found it inside of me. Um, So I've been on the pill really to circumvent all those, you know, crazy period symptoms But now it's been eight years. Uh, I'm eating differently. I've also lost weight recently. And so I'm still on the pill. And I feel like my period is um, sort of not really there as much. Um, And I'm just overall concerned about my chances of fertility. And that's my story, I think, with it. But I'm still on my story. I mean, Lauren's story. Are we all sharing stories? Yeah, we're all going around. Your story is short, but you represent a lot of other I literally went on it to to be jizzed in, quite honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I had a perfectly normal periods. And then I went off of it just so I would have periods because I didn't have periods on it. And I have the most regular periods of all time. Painful, but so is... I guess it for everyone. Dr. Brighton? Dr. Brighton? Yeah, well, I just want to say Lauren's the only one in this story that used the pill for the intended purposes. (laughs) So uh, as we go camp, you know, campfire around. uh, Yeah, so I got on the pill, incredibly painful, long, heavy periods. I was 17 and I was bleeding seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 days through my clothes. Thank God, like back then, you could wear overalls and have the straps down and that was trendy or you tied a sweatshirt around your waist and that was like the thing. And so, yeah, yeah, it was a look. So it was really like the period stain smuggling look, right? Like when the (laughs) periods were so heavy that pads and tampons could contain it. So I started the pill then. It was symptoms and, hey, when you are going to be sexually active, you won't get pregnant. Fantastic. And um, 
So I spent a decade on the pill. I am a first generation college student. I come from a giant Hispanic family. So yes, the pill was definitely instrumental in my journey of going to school, having a career. Um, and yeah, I struggled a lot on it. So there was a point where I was put on one pill that I ended up developing depression. They switched formulations that lifted. I had, and if you guys read <laughs> Beyond the Pill, I mean, I had pain with sex. Um, I had no libido. So it was like, I didn't want to have sex. And when I did, it was super painful, uh, chronic yeast infections, and just all kinds of symptoms that led me to believe that my body was broken and that it was all me. And as it turned out, uh, the pill was doing a whole lot more in my body than just you know making periods easier. We can talk about why that is because it absolutely does make them easier um, and preventing pregnancy. Hey friends, Naz here to tell you about what I've been eating lately. So I think I've shared with you guys that I got a nutritionist recently. Um, And so I've actually changed my diet to eating about six times a day. My life has changed since Magic Spoon Cereal came into my life because I absolutely love cereal. But we all know that cereal is full of carbs and a lot and lot and lot of sugar. And so when I was introduced to Magic Spoon... I was taken aback by the fact that they are grain-free because I also have a lot of stomach sensitivities. And so when I eat things that are grain-free, my stomach's able to digest them a little better. And so now one of my meals is actually a bowl of Magic Spoon. (laughs) Obviously consult a nutritionist on, you know, what it's the best thing for you. But growing up, cereal was just one of the best parts about being a kid. And I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk. You shouldn't really eat it. And it honestly was a bummer. So now that I've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, unhealthy food in general, um, I realized, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I used to eat that I can't eat anymore. But now thanks to Magic Spoon, I can have cereal. So Magic Spoon has zero sugar. Let me repeat that. Zero sugar. 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Um, The four flavors that I'm obsessed with are the cocoa, the fruity, um, which are kind of like Fruit Loops, the frosted, which are so good, and blueberry. And I actually like to mix the blueberry and the cocoa, so it gives me sort of like this chocolate fruity taste, kind of like when you go get Froyo. Um, It tastes amazing. Honestly, it's too good to be true. It's not only grain-free, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. So, I mean, come on. It's good for you. So... All you guys have to do if you want to try it is go to magicspoon.com slash get it, G-E-T-I-T. You can grab a variety pack, try it today. Be sure to use our promo code get it at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if for some reason you order it, it comes to your house, you don't like it, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Um, again, that's magicspoon.com slash get it. Use the code get it for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. Can you explain? Okay, let, let's like go to the basics for people yeah. who are honestly very naive in this subject. And us as even adult women can be naive in it. You don't, you're not a period, you're 
probably you're probably uneducated on your period, to be honest. And yeah, your whole a lot of people cycle. don't know what like the pill is actually doing. It's like it's not getting you pregnant, but how is it actually not getting you pregnant? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like tell us exactly how the pill works in the most latent terms. Totally. And let's let's just preface with this. If you don't understand how your body works or how hormonal birth control works, that's not really your fault. There's only 17 states within the United States that actually require medically accurate information being provided in sex education. Mm. So that means there's a whole lot of states telling you whatever the heck they want and whoever's agenda, we don't even know. So I didn't understand how my body worked or how this pill I was popping every single day until I got into naturopathic medical school. This is important because it was a moment where I was like, you shouldn't have to go to medical school to understand the body that you live in. So, you know, if you're in that boat, I think the first thing we feel is like, oh, I'm stupid or I feel ashamed and how could I not know? Well, like nobody's giving you this information. So here we are. Okay. So first things first. It's honestly so ridiculous. I just have to say. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. It really is. I mean, that's why... I, I come on podcasts like this. It's why I'm on Instagram. Um, people are like, you know, I get told all the time, like, you should be charging for like all these courses to understand the basics of your body. And I'm like, I just don't believe in that. I believe that women have the right to know how their body works. And that should be mandated in all schools. Like, it should, we, so what do we get? <laughs> I feel like I need to insert applause. It's just so goddamn ridiculous. But anyways, okay. So how the pill yeah. works. Totally. So we don't, I just think it's just really important that we, you know, we understand that most of us don't know. And I popped that pill for a good nine years before it occurred to me how it worked. And I had a fear that I could get pregnant any day out of the month, born out of the sex education that I didn't get. I think I was like 15 when I finally got sex ed. And it was you can get pregnant any day of the month. Oh my God. Like, don't look at a guy or like that. You'll be knocked up. And that's just not the truth. So the moment that I learned you're fertile, that egg is, is, is viable 24 hours in a cycle. So out of an entire month, I've got one day. I was like, I'm popping this pill every single day because it's that tricky sperm that's living five, six, sometimes seven days that's hanging around in your uterus trying, trying to impregnate you. Like, good on you, Mama Nature. That's a good, like, one point for you. So how does the pill work? Well, the primary mechanism of any form of hormonal birth control that stops you from ovulating is to work at the brain level. So IUDs, the progestin base, like Marina, uh, Skyla, Kylina, those don't always shut down ovulation. But if they do, it's because they've altered your brain. And this is really important because I, for a very long time, had thought, oh, this is just affecting my reproductive system. Well, your brain is part of your reproductive system. So in a normal cycle, so just no chemicals coming in the way that we should flow, you have follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, that comes from the brain and tells your ovaries, let's get an egg ready. Now, your estrogen will be rising, so will testosterone, and estrogen will spike. And then luteinizing hormone, a brain hormone, will spike, and that will trigger ovulation. You then release an egg, and what follows in the ovary is a structure called the corpus luteum. That's where the egg came out. This is left behind. Now we make progesterone, not progestin. That's the synthetic stuff in birth control. So when you use hormonal birth control, implant, NuvaRing, pill, you name it, if it shuts down ovulation, it does it by flooding your system with enough hormones to tell your brain not to talk to your ovaries. So 
That's where hormonal birth control works. It works at the brain level. So when doctors say to you, oh, no, 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 your symptoms that are happening in your head, that can't be possible. You're on birth control. It, it, it is in your head, right? When they say it's in your head, literally birth <laughs> control is in your head. So wow. that's the primary mechanism. Now, there's also some backup mechanisms here. One is progestins will thicken the cervical mucus. So everybody uh, who is ovulating off of birth control, there's you know that one time of the month where you're like, what's going on in my panties? What is all this goop? And it's a raw <laughs> egg white. So if you've ever baked yes, something- Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever baked something, you go to separate the egg yolk from the white and you're like, what is this streamy stuff? Or- if you're like me and you hate undercooked whites and it's that goopy stuff that's on your plate, that's what fertile cervical mucus is like. It's a super highway for sperm and it's designed to get sperm to egg and get you pregnant. Okay. Yeah. So it does. And it's a good thing. Like women, you know, in my practice, they'll come off of birth control and they're like, what is this goop in my underwear? Is something wrong? I'm like, congratulations. Your body's trying to ovulate as actually a sign of good hormonal health. It's, it's healthy. So that's one of those things we get shamed about as women is like what ends up in with discharge, cyclical discharge is totally normal. So with that, that's a, so we can thicken the cervical mucus using progestin. Now, why do your periods get lighter? Well, these synthetic hormones, they're altering receptors in the uterine lining. The lining of your uterus starts to thin. So if you did ovulate and sperm got past the, the, the barrier, so to speak, and got to the egg, the egg is fertilized, it cannot implant in the uterus. So in my book, I talk about how you have this like, do you want to cuddle up in a fluffy down comforter or do you want to lay on a concrete floor? Like the egg wants that fluffy down comforter. And so with that, that's another backup mechanism. So the primary is don't ovulate. But if you do, try to block sperm. And if the sperm does get there, block implantation. And if egg cannot implant, so fertilized egg cannot implant in the uterus, then the pregnancy is not viable. And so you will just shed it with the endometrial lining when you do the withdrawal bleed. And so that's not a period while you're on birth That was my next question for you. Yeah. Because people, I always call it my period, but apparently for the past nine years, I haven't had one. Yeah, I did too. And I actually spent um, two years. So in my time on the pill, they came out with like, Ooh, we have this new designer line of pill, and you can only, you don't only have to have your period four times a year. And then there were times that I was like, what if I only have it twice a year? I'm so smart. Look at me. I'm so clever with my body. <laughs> like, like when, did, when did science and humans like get smarter than evolution? Like, we didn't need periods. We would have evolved those out by now. Like, we would have changed. So, with that though, it's a medication induced withdrawal bleed, which means that when you stop the medication, it triggers the lining of your uterus, the endometrium to shed. So for a very long time, I even educated patients saying your period. And then as I started to like examine more, and there's lots of other doctors talking about this as well, but as I started to get into research and examine more, I'm like, that's not actually a period because there is no cycle. You are static and you're just basically on hiatus with those hormones. And then we drop them synthetically by taking you off and then bringing you right back on. A you know, natural menstrual cycle has a lot of ebbs and flows. There's the brain hormones, the brain talking to the ovaries, how the ovaries respond, how the uterus responds. It looks very different than being on hormonal birth control. Wait, so that, were you talking about all forms of birth control or just the ones that allow you to have a quote unquote blood flow four times to two times a year? Yeah. So if it stops ovulation, it's not a cycle. And so if it's not a cycle, then we're not having a true period. 
with IUDs, these are the, the, the IUDs are like the wild card because some women will get on a progestin based IUD, which is what they all are except for Paragard, which is a copper IUD. So some women get on it, they stop ovulating right away and their periods go away. Some women, they get that in place and they bleed for like six months straight, which is super friend. lame. And yeah. usually doctors are like, we'll work it out. We'll see how your body goes. And it's like, nobody wants to spot for six months. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot. Um, and some women will ovulate for a couple years, then a couple years in, they just lose their period altogether. They stop ovulating. So it's a very interesting one where we need, look, I'm going to say this like a million times. We need a lot more research. We need a lot more research in women's medicine, but especially in contraceptives. And the reality is, is that a lot of times you'll hear from providers where they say, well, there's no study on that, or the study is so small. So like, we'll talk about that when there's research. Wow. I'm like, okay, hold up. The pill experiment started in the 50s. Then it came out 1960s. Uh, in the 70s, feminists marched against the pill as being a patriarchal tool, complaining of the side effects. None of that's really redressed. We changed the marketing. Here we are in 2020. And we still haven't addressed what women have been complaining about since the 1960s. And you're telling me, let's just wait until we have the research before we listen to and believe women about the side effects of birth control. That's ridiculous. Lauren, what do you recommend for people who are like, hey, Lauren, who do you, Lauren, when you are doing a client and you can see that she's like having a thinning hair issue, is there anything mm-hmm. that you suggest? Um, because it's a problem that a lot of women have, but don't talk about. And I don't know, like, is it common or okay for a hairstylist to be like hey like i can see that you can you know that you're thinning which is you know totally normal um i think that suggesting neutrophil to anyone who's having hair growth issues is great because it's ideal for any thinning hair if it's from stress or dieting or over styling environmental toxins or a woman's balance uh hormonal balance it's for them too so when you're going through menopause um this can also help uh So people say that they see a difference in three to six months. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth in six months. So more than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. Yeah, they also say that you're going to notice a lot less shedding, which, you know, I think almost everybody can say is something that they see in the shower or when they brush their hair. I think it's really comforting that Nutrafol is 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses, and that's why you get these reliable results. So, you guys, if you feel like you're shedding too much, you're losing too much hair, you can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com. That is Nutrafol. N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com and use the promo code get it and new customers will get 20% off and this is the best offer anywhere just letting you just letting you know plus you're going to get free shipping on every order get 20% off at Nutrafol dot com N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code get it I have one quick question that I may have missed yeah. What is the point of those like five days you're off the pill? Because if it's not allowing you to have your period, is it just to make you feel normal or what is the actual no, it's a great point? question, Lauren. Oh, okay. 
No, Lauren, that's exactly the point. It's to make you feel normal. So it was actually marketing um, where they thought women wouldn't accept the pill if they just had no periods, like it would be too foreign to them. And so they wanted, they wanted this adoption. They wanted women to take it on. And so that's what they did. They gave that Hmm. break. It is also something too, that you can become pregnant on birth control. Um, So we're told it's 99% effective, the pill specifically, but as it turns out with typical use, which is like, look, I ain't judging anybody because as a teen and a 20-something, I did a lot of stupid things and skipping my pill was one of them um, or partying all night and then like, you know, just being like, oh, I didn't take my pill or I took my pill when I was drinking alcohol. <laughs> all these things yeah. of like, eh, you know, that's typical use. And with typical use, nine out of 100 women are estimated to get pregnant in a year. So it can fail. And that's why, you know, some doctors will say it's a good idea to still have that uh, withdrawal because if you don't bleed, then you may be pregnant and to check in with that. There's other pregnancy signs and symptoms though that come up um, that, you know, could also be. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. So that, so you're for that withdrawal period in those sort of five days that do allow us to have a period while on the pill. Yeah. You know, I'm not like for or against it. It really doesn't matter. So when you see people say, oh, women don't need periods, what they're saying is women who are on synthetic hormones that suppress their entire hormonal system in terms of reproductive hormones. So not like thyroid, cortisol, insulin, those things, but what they're saying when they say women don't need periods, they're saying women who are on synthetic hormone replacement therapy don't need periods because those aren't actually periods. Mm So to me, I'm like, look, if you're going to use the pill or it's totally your call, if you lose your period while having an implant, for example, or um, even getting the depo shot, if you lose your period, we're not worried about it because your, your hormones are on hiatus. They're on hold as it is. So it's really up to the patient. I'm not for or against it. It's really your choice. And some women, you know, they feel better when they menstruate. I have patients too who are like, I'm getting married and going on my honeymoon. So I'm skipping all of that. And that's mm-hmm. 100% their right and choice. So what I'm gathering is if you're on the pill, you're not even getting your period, your right. real period. Right. So this is revolutionary. My big, my biggest concern thinking about my body being on the pill for the past nine years is that my brain hasn't spoke to my ovaries for the past nine years. And yet right like in the fall, I would like to conceive. Um, and it's my fifth vital sign, and it's shown no signs because it can't be my fifth. T- explain what the fifth vital sign is. Hmm. Yeah, so ACOG, which is the body that oversees obstetricians and gynecologists, uh, termed your period the fifth vital sign. So most people are familiar that you go to the doctor's office, you get your blood pressure, you get your pulse, respiration rates, temperature. Those are all vital signs. Like, are you healthy? Is it normal? Are you going to die? Like, this is like a way to check in on the vibrancy of your body. Your period is also a vital sign. So if it is irregular, if it is heavy, if it is painful, like all of these are symptoms that we should investigate. Can you, can you, you know, basically treat some of those symptoms with birth control? Yes. But should you do it without asking why? I say no, because what might be going on is we could have hypothyroidism. uh, We could have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Like there can be something else causing these symptoms. So we first have to ask why and investigate before we offer treatment. So that's the fifth vital sign. And it is concerning, right, that we actually have no long-term study to look at 
What happens when you put a woman on the pill for a decade, two decades, three, four decades? What happens when you start a teenager on the pill and then you take her to menopause on the pill or any hormonal birth control and her brain and ovaries have never talked? I can't tell you that and no one can tell you that because we haven't done the studies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why? 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 That makes absolutely no sense. Women have been around since day one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so confused. I don't get it. Okay. That's that's why we do this podcast. (laughs) She's laughing. Is it, the podcast is I just don't understand. No, it's I don't get it. It's called I, <laughs> I don't get, get it. it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> because um, I have to say in my scheduling calendar, it said I don't get it is trying to schedule a Zoom link, and I was like, what? I <laughs> and I was like, what don't you get? I don't understand. And she so was like, funny. no, that's what the podcast is called. I'm like, oh, I was I like, well, how it. do you not know how to how to schedule this. Oh, that's um, yeah. I mean, it is something where <laughs> in writing my book, especially, I was like, I just, I just don't understand. And my husband's like, you say that phrase so often. It's like your catchphrase. Exactly. I'm like, I, I, and I don't get it. Why have we not done these studies? I don't get it. Why are we, you know, I, I see pe- things where uh, people say, oh, well, any doctor would tell your period's not necessary. Well, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, I don't get it. Like, they would tell you that because that's the societal narrative and that's also the medical school education. And when you go back to like books like Sweetening the Pill and there's other books that have come before mine and they talk about the marketing aspect of it. And like, this is actually born out and like mad respect to the marketing geniuses who like came up with this, like, okay, I get it. You're a business. I can respect that. And at the same time in medicine, we have to say, huh, what else is going on here? And like, actually do and start start to answer these questions but we've got a lot of issues in science altogether i mean we still don't know the cause of like pcos endometriosis a lot of these things that you know in some ways haven't been investigated because why why do it just pass through the pill like why investigate why do we need to know why what do we do we've got something good enough and yet we see these side effects like lack of libido what happens to men when they have lack of libido or impotence like oh Get some drugs going. Let's fix this issue right away. (laughs) It's honestly, I'm glad you brought it up because it really is disheartening because when I got endo... When you get anything, really, I feel like at the gyno, you know, they'll give you three facts and then hand you a brochure. I think that's sort mm-hmm. of the the experience that I've heard, at least from friends in my personal experience. And then you yourself as a person have to go on. You have to join a Facebook group. You have to, oh you know, gosh, right? women who have endo and you have to educate yourself. And I just think it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Why am I guessing what my endo is and what it means? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that, to be fair with doctors, like everybody gets into medicine because they're like, I really want to help people. Uh, the Latin of Dr. Doceri is, you know, teacher. So it's actually to teach. And yet we've got a model in which there's just not a lot of room and time for that where doctors can be educated. So we've got the issue of like, okay, uh, sex ed's got them. Like they're going to educate them about their body, but nobody's checking on that. It's not really happening. And then it's like, okay, well now you have this condition and we're going to educate you about it, but I've only got like seven to 15 minutes to make that happen. A brochure certainly can't cover it, but you're right. Like, and what you're speaking to is that we have to advocate fiercely for our health in women's medicine. Just, we have to advocate for ourselves. Nobody will ever care about your body the way that you do. And it's why 
I dedicate so much of my life really to just getting women to understand the foundation, to understand that the majority of healing isn't going to happen in the doctor's office. So, you know, it's going to happen with the things that you do every day, how you sleep, how you treat yourself and talking to yourself, how you move your body, what you put at the end of your fork, those kinds of things. And doctors are there that, yes, there's a time and a place where we do need prescriptions, including birth control. There is a time and a place where we need surgery. Um, And you're so right. Like I have to say, so I contracted COVID this year and I was really, I really did not want to join the Facebook group. Um, I was like reading original research, like trying to keep up with it. And finally, my friends like, just join the Facebook group. <laughs> and sometimes these are just like, I mean, it can, just from hearing my patients be like, so-and-so told me to like stand on my head and snort vinegar. And like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't can, want it. It's a dark hole for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as it turned out with the COVID group, what it did for me is there were, there, I was gaslighting myself, women, we, doctors and society has done this to us for so long, but like we've adopted it to where I was like, maybe this isn't real. Maybe I am making it up. Like, this is crazy. And then I got into the group and I started seeing surveys and I'm like, okay, strangers from around the world are reporting the same symptoms as me. And I have not shared with any of them what my symptoms are. And it's the same that's happened with birth control is you've got hundreds of thousands of women from around the world having the same story, the same experience, being met with the same answer of, we don't have a study to support that, so it's not birth control, it's you. Mm. As you may have heard some at some point already in this podcast, Dr. Brighton speaks about how there's really only certain days of the month that a woman is fertile and can get pregnant. So I have a new birth control alternative if you guys are looking for one, especially after this podcast. It's an app called Natural Cycles, and it's powered by an algorithm that's able to identify your daily fertility status based on your basal body temperature. Basal body temperature is the body's lowest resting temperature, which is measured first thing in the morning, just after you woke up. So if you're the kind of person that can remember to take your temperature every morning, write it down in the app. Um, then this kind of birth control would be great for you. It's a great alternative to hormonal birth control. Um, And, you know, listening to this podcast, you may be thinking, oh, I should probably get off hormonal birth control. And as Dr. Brighton does address in this podcast, you know that no birth control method is 100% effective. But when used perfectly, natural cycles is 98% effective. Perfect means not having any unprotected sex on red days. Natural cycles is 93% effective with typical use, which accounts for all possible reasons. Natural cycles can be used to plan pregnancy when you're ready to. So it can prevent if you want to prevent and plan if you want to plan. And when you're switching to this prevent to plan when you've already been using natural cycles, you can get pregnant faster. In fact, women who previously used natural cycles had an average time to pregnancy rate of 85 days. And women like me who were going straight off of a hormonal contraception had an average of 146 days until they got pregnant once actively trying. If you guys are interested in switching over to this form of birth control, you can go and use my code, Ashley, at naturalcycles.com, and you'll get 20% off your annual Natural Cycle subscription and a free thermometer that they're going to send to you. So let me know how much you like, you guys. I will be starting to use it in about 28 days. (laughs) 
And it must also be noted that users must be over the age of 18. This is not protect against STIs. Only barrier methods such as condoms prevent STIs. And this is sponsored by Natural Cycles. I want to go over some stats that are in your book. 31% of women are on the pill for painful periods. 28% are on to regulate their period. 14% are on for acne. 4% are on for endometriosis. And 11% are on for unspecified hormonal symptoms like mood swings and PMS. Um, but the pill, as you'll learn in your book, is just a big mask, a band-aid for these symptoms. And the mm-hmm. real issue is still living in your body. Mm-hmm. So it's an yeah, ibuprofen, I, essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's a pain so reliever. Okay. Well, yeah. It's not the best analogy because ibuprofen will um, take down your inflammation. Oh, okay, okay. But, you know, I get, I get what you're going yeah. yeah. Well, okay. let me say this with the ibuprofen analogy is that if you have a splinter, and I say this in my book, it's a very common analogy uh, that's used in the functional medicine space, which is that... If you have a splinter in your foot, so you're going to have pain, swelling, inflammation, you should have that. That's your immune system responding. But you take ibuprofen and you just keep taking ibuprofen, will the pain and the inflammation go down? Yes. But have you actually addressed why it's happening in the first place? No. So now you've got to take ibuprofen every day when you could just remove the splinter and address that and not need the ibuprofen. Now, you take that to endo, it ain't that simple, okay? So I just want to be clear. I don't want anyone like with endo or PCOS to be like, you know, basically a big F you because they know it's not that simple. It's not that easy and it can be debilitating. So I'm not minimizing that experience. And we can certainly talk more about that. But I think you had somewhere you were going uh, before we started talking about ibuprofen. Yeah, so... Basically, I think Ashley was reading off the statistics and I actually wanted to go back to you said fifth vital sign because we I don't think we actually really addressed it. You were saying that you're getting off it soon and you want to make sure that your brain can actually speak. Well, that goes down to like when we start asking about fertility, which we could pretty much do now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How you, okay, many doctors will tell you, oh no, you get on the pill, but is it going to affect my fertility in the long run? And they're like, no, 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 you'll be fine. In your book, you kind of say otherwise. Yeah. Well, let's break that down and I'll explain a bit about that. So number one is you just listed off a bunch of reasons that women could get on birth control uh, or that do. So In um, surveys, it's been estimated 58% of women use birth control primarily for symptom management, not for pregnancy. So in birth control really coming to market, it was the first pharmaceutical that did not require a diagnosis. You just had to be female at the Mm -hmm. time. You just had to be female. Uh, Well, initially you had to be married too, because like, you know, only married women get control. Wow, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) so insane. Because only married people had sex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> so with that, uh, so now we're seeing, okay, women are now being given it, given it for a myriad of symptoms. So let's say that you have irregular periods. As I said before, that could be hypothyroidism. It could be polycystic ovarian syndrome. It could be uh, primary ovarian insufficiency. So it can be several things going on, but it doesn't get investigated. What does your doctor say? Just take the pill. It will fix your periods. It will regulate your cycle for everybody listening. Just air quote all of that. Um, and when you get off, then we'll worry about your fertility, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that it cannot impact your fertility, there's you know small studies that have been done showing that like, okay, 
it can't have an impact on long-term fertility. However, there are women who report otherwise, and this was the biggest concern that women raised. So right ahead, if we wanted to get buy-in, and that was the idea, is we needed to get as many women to buy into this as possible, we right away needed to you know, basically address the objection. If this is the wow. predictable objection, let's just address it and let's say, yeah, there's no evidence of that. So what I talk about in the book and why I talk about getting off of birth control... So you know, if you started it for symptoms, so let's say you started it with for pain, the younger you were, the longer you stayed on it for pain, the more likely you are to be diagnosed with endo in the future. Endo is a cause of infertility. There are things that we can do with endo, with PCOS, with hypothyroidism, with ovarian health, with all of these things. I mean, this can be rooted in uh, adrenal issues. We can do things ahead of time that when you're 14 or 24, that at 34, you're more likely to be able to conceive. And why some people might be like, 34, what are you talking about? Most of us are not having babies until our 30s. Um, that was me. That's why I used the bill. <laughs> so with that, this is where coming off of birth control and preparing your body is important. We need to understand why you had those symptoms if you started it for symptom management. We also need to understand, are, are your, is the brain ovarian communication going to immediately come back online? So here's a tricky thing, is that there are women who report infertility. Is that because they've used birth control to, one, suppress symptoms of something that was going to cause infertility if it wasn't treated properly, or is it that they delayed, uh, they delayed when they came off of birth control and delayed when they tried to conceive? So if you knew for example, with the depo shot, that once that wears off, it still could be like 18 months before you're ovulating again. Wow. If it could be a year and a half before you're really ovulating and you are like fully fertile body again, then would you stop at 38 if you wanted to become pregnant at 38? Or would you maybe move that up and start like basically supporting your body and getting ready for that? And so why I ask that question is because if you delay until like 38, 39, you want to get pregnant, well, it may be the delay and then how long it takes uh, for your body. So some women do have difficulty conceiving at that age, but it may also be an issue of coming off of hormonal birth control. So we have to understand that a more individualized and nuanced conversation needs to happen. When you're 15 and they put you on the pill, they're like, yeah, no, you're not going to have any problem with infertility. Mm-hmm. But are you going to see the same doctor 20 years later at 35? And are they going to tell you the same thing? Will there even be that conversation or will it have already been shut down decades prior and your, your concerns have been dismissed? So there's a lot of questions here in all of this. I mean, the other thing is that hormonal birth control depletes nutrients. Things like CoQ10, which is an antioxidant that is used in infertility cases because it helps protect the ovaries from oxidative stress. So if you're on this medication, it's depleting CoQ10. You're also getting older and your CoQ10 production drops as it is. Like, okay, so maybe it's like a nutrient-related issue, which is I go through all of this. And if anyone listening's head is spinning, <laughs> understand it's why we can't say causation. And it's not easy to say birth control causes infertility because there's lots of things happening in the environment that makes it that it might be different for you as an individual. So what if you are 
on birth control, please don't smoke, but maybe you do. Or maybe you're one of those like social smokers that like, I only smoke on the weekends when I binge drink. Like those things are not helping your fertility. And then you also work in maybe an environment where you get exposed to uh, carcinogenic and reproductively harmful chemicals. Okay. So you've got additional variables that are working against you and you're on birth control and you're going to delay. So this is where it becomes like, what's the answer here? We need to have an individualized discussion where we really examine the individual. If your mom went through menopause in her early 40s, then you may not be able to be get pre- getting pregnant at 37, 38, 39 because you're going, you may genetically be programmed to be going into perimenopause. So a different conversation for that individual, which is really what I advocate for. Not that, oh, birth control you know, should be taken away from everyone. No one should use it. No, I, I actually think we should all have access to birth control and the information we need to make the best decision for our body. And if you want to stay on it for the rest of your life and you know there's no studies, we don't know what's going to happen, and you never want to have a baby, that's still 100% your choice. And as a doctor, it's my job to support your choice. I want to just address for a second. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to say like, wait, you went from saying all the reasons that they put you on the pill to mask symptoms, but you never told me how we can solve those issues without the pill. Um, and well, that I'd say we'll address later when we talk about balancing your hormones, if we get to it. Um, we also have done a podcast on balancing your hormones with diet. It's the Holistic Health Podcast. It was released on July 21st last year. It's episode 135. Yes, so, Ashley. So if you guys do want to go back and listen to balancing your hormones with diet, go back and listen to that because right now I really do want to focus more on like getting off the pill with Dr. Brighton with the time that we have remaining. And now after I said that, Naz, and you of course can go check out her book, Beyond the Pill. You guys have to do that. But Naz, go ahead and ask your question. I was just going to say, I think I, I'm just gathering to sort of put it all together like with a bow. It sounds like every woman is case by case basis. It sounds like getting a second opinion is a really smart thing when it comes to reproductive and women's health. You know how we always make jokes like when you go to the doctor, you're like, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> like there's, I think there's like a curb episode about it. But um, but I think what's scary, Dr. Um, Dr. Brighton, is that we there are a lot of gynecologists or OBGYNs that they typically have the same information. So thank God we have your book and you, but it's like, I don't know. It wasn't really a question. I think it's just kind of like, go ahead, Lauren. It's just kind of like, this sucks, you know? Yeah. No, no, I do want to address that. Perspectives are necessary. Yeah. Absolutely. There are, there. so, you know, finding, it can feel, uh, so let me say this. I used to say like, oh, you need to find a doctor that listens. And then after listening to what all of my Instagram and my email subscribers, what they were saying to me is, that's easier said than done. And you ain't helping when you say that. So I have in my story highlights on Instagram, some resources to find doctors who are not going to just jump on to the birth control wagon or are going to... um, you know, they're, they're going to listen to you and, you know, really support you in that. I do lecture at conferences, I, to gynecologists and there are lots of them out there receptive. And I'm putting together an actual resource on my website at drbrayton.com, which is going to be directed to all kinds of different providers, but also those ob that can help you if you have endometriosis, pelvic pain, those kind of issues. 
And they're not going to just use this cookie cutter one size fits all. And so I understand that. And so we're working on addressing that. And you should never be as doctors, you know, some doctors, they got a bit of an ego and they'll be like, oh, fine, whatever. Like hear the hair flip. Fine. Get a second opinion. It's not like when my patient's saying, like, I want to get a second opinion, I say, let me know where I can send your chart notes to go ahead and like, you know, sign off. You should. If you don't, if you are not fully confident in me or you want to hear what someone else is offering, like, look, if you're going to go get a loan from the bank, you're not going to go to one bank. Like you're going to like, there are lots of industries where getting a second opinion, getting another other options. It's totally accepted. It should be definitely accepted in medicine as well. So Lauren, I'll let you ask you answer your question. And then we will talk about getting off of birth control. And that same stuff is going to help wherever you're at in your hormonal journey. Um, so in my, my like layman's mind, when it comes to this, I'm thinking, so you're not ovulating for like what, 15 years, you're saving all of these eggs and they're just sitting there. You would think that when you go off birth control, you got so many eggs ready to go, (laughs) you know, and that's not true. Cause like you won't menopause later. Cause you have all these eggs stored. Yeah. So it's not true. We did, And you're not wrong for thinking that. I mean, we used to think that. we There was a time where we were like, well, maybe it actually preserves your eggs. And I hear doctors who still say that. They actually don't have any evidence that that's actually the case, that you're, you know, just because you don't ovulate them doesn't mean that they're, you know, you, like we've got a, we've got an expiration date stamped on us genetically. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know mine. I don't, I don't want to know mine. Um, <laughs> but with that, like the eggs are the same. And so they've got like basically like a spoilage date in a way of like that they can um, become less viable or they're just not going to be viable at all. Which means that if you ovulate them, they're, they're not going to be, you know, worth it <laughs> to get okay. pregnant with. But also that, um, you know, you may not ovulate them. And so that's a possibility as well. I will say, you know, there's been some very preliminary promising information starting to come out about like stem cells in our ovaries, regeneration. I think that, you know, we're a couple decades away from really understanding all of that. But yeah, it is something that doctors used to say, it actually preserves your fertility. And that was not true. Um, and it's the kind of thing that like, sometimes women are like, I hate my doctor. They said that I'm like, understand that your doctor should be changing their mind as research comes out. So as we get new information, we have to say, ah, I was wrong. That, that wasn't true. That was the best information we have. Now we have new information. This is what's true. So, you know, people always get upset, like politicians be flip-flopping and like, you don't want your doc, you do want your doctor to flip-flop if like new information comes out you want them to change with that because as we know from some studies, it can take up to 17 years before research that's come out actually gets integrated into clinical practice. That's just far too long. And in my reproductive lifetime, I won't even be a fertile female anymore if I waited on that. Yeah, you lose out on it. Um, Yeah. We are getting like all these fertility tests coming out as a 30 somethings, all of us. Well, Lauren will be 30 next month. Um, everybody's like, have you tested <laughs> have you face. tested your fertility <laughs> levels? You know, have you had your eggs checked and everything? Naz literally came to me with this question the other day because I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm just the a buttload of information. Basically, <laughs> Ashley's my Jolene Brighton. <laughs> I can explain later. I won't waste time. But yes, uh, I asked for this. So, okay. I, in November, had my levels done at my gyno. And she was able to tell me that my eggs are average for my age with just a blood test, but I'm on the pill. So I'm thinking, oh. does that 
all have accurate information in it. So uh, for everybody listening, check out the fertility chapter in my book where I actually say, don't do this testing while you're on the pill. One, it's not accurate, but two, and I think the worst part is that it can be really damaging to you mentally. Mm-hmm. So there have been studies showing that your ovaries shrink and they look they look like elderly ovaries while you're on birth control. Well, yeah. Oh, no. Brain- no. <laughs> no, I'm getting off it right now. That's gross. No, 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 but last it's because they're not operating, right? I'm going to get not- Botox in my ovaries after that. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, my God. Don't do that. I'm um, kidding. <laughs> I'm like, please, everybody, this is not medical advice and do not Botox. <laughs> I'm that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah. I know that's a joke. <laughs> that's just medical disclaimer that just in case. 2020 has been a little bit crazy with the <laughs> things sure. people are saying and doing. Um, okay. So, okay. <laughs> so with that... When, in my book, I talk about how your AMH, anti-malarian hormones, um, to that marker can be off and it can be inaccurate while you're on birth control. Your ovaries can look differently on ultrasound. So there is, um, Kim Kardashian had actually said, you know, your, like birth control makes your ovaries old. Well, yes, and that's why you're on it. And it's been shown that it's reversible when you come off of it. And it's essentially like, you are, you know, what some people will liken it to is that you're essentially in a chemical menopause. So your brain is not talking to your ovaries, your ovaries are not ovulating. Well, that's menopause. And so you'll, that's why some women get like vaginal atrophy, which happens postmenopausal for women. You don't get stimulation of hormones to your vaginal tissue. Now it becomes dry, friable, starts shrinking. Um, it's super lame because you can be like 20 something and your vagina is looking more like 60 something. Nobody wants that. And it can happen for some women. So understand that those tests are not accurate while you're on hormonal birth control and testing FSH, LH, estradiol, which estradiol is the form of estrogen we test while we are in our fertile years, that and progesterone, those are not going to be normal. There better not be any progesterone because if there is, you're ovulating. We're not testing progestin. That's the synthetic stuff that you're on while on birth control. Testosterone is still sometimes monitored because testosterone can drive acne, PCOS-like symptoms, um, and PCOS, you know, frankly, it's symptoms itself. So what I mean by PCOS-like symptoms, like hair on your chin, chest, abdomen that's thick and coarse, acne on your face, back, um, sometimes other places, hair loss on your head, oily skin. Uh, those are the testosterone-like symptoms. And that's also why we have anovulatory or you don't ovulate when you have PCOS that can lead to irregular cycles for which doctors say, just take the pill. Mm-hmm. You fixed your period. Yeah. Well, not really. Yeah. So uh, with that, with testosterone in women, we you can measure total. Free testosterone is really what you utilize. And you want to look at that alongside with sex hormone binding globulin. That sometimes will be monitored. And that should also drop while on hormonal birth control, the testosterone, the sex hormone binding globulin should go up. So understand that when you are on the pill, those are not going to be as accurate. When you come off of hormonal birth control, we typically want to wait about three months before testing those hormones to get a really accurate picture. AMH is one of those ones that like when that test came out, we were like the fertility test, like uh, new girl was a TV show where they like mm-hmm. went and got that tested. And then ev- all my patients were like, I need to have this test. And like, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's accurate and it's helpful, but sometimes it actually is mentally damaging and discouraging. And I have seen women with abnormal AMHs be able to get pregnant naturally when they're told like not a chance. 
And it comes down to like loading up on antioxidants, uh, you know, and then a lot of the other stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into to help correct that AMH. So a, a lab test is one snapshot in time. It is not the end all be all. So this is true with like thyroid disease with uh, menstrual regularities. If you have an abnormal lab test, but you don't have abnormal symptoms, you've got to circle back and say, well, what could be going on? And maybe we need to retest and ask, is this true? Is this the full and complete picture? Gotcha. Um, Okay. Wow. Let's talk about post-birth control syndrome. This is what I'm so very nervous about embarking on in one month. I have legitimately one more pack left and then I'm going to be off of it. And people tell me, you know what? Maybe your body changed in the past nine years. Like maybe you just won't have, you won't have any more acne. And I'm like, well, Dr. Brighton says in the book that if I had it, um, and that's why I went on the pill, that that's probably going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that because things can change and let's talk about what, what can change and what can you do right now if you're on birth control. So if you're on birth control, and you change nothing, and you do nothing, and you come off of birth control, then yeah, your acne is going to probably come back. And in fact, it usually comes back if your acne is due to androgens, so testosterone, it usually comes back with a vengeance. And what you'll find in the book, um, in the metabolic mayhem chapter, that everybody's like, well, I don't want to read about metabolic health, because um, insulin is going to jack your face up. Like, And you got to understand that. Like, Insulin, testosterone, especially in PCOS, can work together to drive that acne. So understanding that you can have an androgen rebound. So now your ovaries are like, we can finally make testosterone, and we don't have all those synthetic hormones that are artificially elevating that sex hormone binding globulin. So there are a lot of artificial hormones, so your body protects you by bringing up that binding protein so that those hormones don't do damage. So with that, yeah, what will happen first is oily skin, and then you'll start to see the acne, and it'll show up usually with a few zits, then we start to get the deep cystic acne, and then what usually follows is hirsutism, so chin hair, uh, abdomen hair, not always, but it can happen, um, and hair loss can also follow with that, so just depending on your body. So what do we do? We prep our body before we come off of birth control. So for everybody listening, in my book, I go through like what birth control does with the liver, the gut, um, how it's, you know, it's altering other hormones in turn because all of your hormones talk and they're all linked together. So we prep our body first. So number one, you know, and yes, I talk about supplements in my book. I if you only read the supplement table, people are like, oh, like you only talk about like your supplement and a couple of other supplements. I'm like, okay, so I'm giving you options. You can also read the labels, go find your own. No big deal to me. But if you read, actually get into the book, I talk about the dosages and why and what to look for. So please look at that. But I'm going to tell you that you can't out supplement a poor diet and lifestyle. So we want to go back to the foundations. Like everything your mama told you, she got it right. Eat your broccoli, all that business. So why do we want to eat cruciferous vegetables? So broccoli, kale, cauliflower, those actually help your liver with detoxifying your hormones. This isn't that like, oh, you have to detox the synthetic hormones out of your body or they'll never leave. Yes, they will. But your liver is going to be dependent on these nutrients to make the healthiest forms of estrogen and get them out of your body. And if you're like, I live in a food desert, I don't have access to broccoli or I don't even like it. If you can just eat a fourth a cup of broccoli sprouts, like 
that's going to go a long way. And I talk about that in the book. There's also recipes in that. So we want to start with diet. High quality protein and fat with your meals so that you have blood sugar stabilization. If you don't have blood sugar stabilization, your cortisol is going to get messed up. Your adrenals are going to be unhealthy and unhappy and your insulin is going to get messed up. That's what I call the base of the pyramid. If insulin and cortisol aren't right, if insulin and your adrenals are not right, then your thyroid won't be right. Then your sex hormones, which is the tippy top of the pyramid, will not be right. So you've got to work on those, which also includes, so we've got the high quality fat, protein, and meals, as many vegetables as you can eat. Six to nine servings is a great goal. And in fact, they've done studies that the more vegetables you eat, the more people perceive you as beautiful because those pigments actually get picked up in your skin. So it is something that like, it's going to help with that whole process. Now, once your liver has processed these hormones, you have to pee and poop them out. And so drinking plenty of water, yes. And you guys, this is all the natural detox. This is what your body does all the time. We just got to support the body in what it needs to do that. And then it's all about getting those fibers in, making sure that we're pooping every day so that we're moving those hormones as well so that they don't cause chaos in our skin, uh, in our uterus. Um, you know, Hormones are everywhere in your body. They're linked up to every system. So you can also have mood issues that come up. And so this is how you know, post-birth control syndrome can show up so in such a confusing way. It can be symptoms that you had previously that now come back and they're like, hey, remember me? That's right. I'm back. How you doing? <laughs> right? <I'm bored>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone got my TikTok reference there. <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. Oh, so it can be symptoms that come back or it can be brand new symptoms you didn't have before because of what birth control is doing in the other systems of your body that now get to present when you come off of it. These symptoms can show up on average, you know, about four to six months after stopping birth control. For some women, it's sooner. So for some women, it's later. So for some women, they might be like, eh, I had a zit here and there, month eight, my face is exploded. And at that point, their doctor is like, I got birth control, I got spironolactone, and it's, it's not because you came off birth control, it's just your body. Okay, yes, and there's some things that we can do about it. So I go through a lot of diet and lifestyle practices, so making sure we're getting adequate sleep, not just how long are we in bed, but also getting quality sleep. We got real talk about alcohol happening, and it sucks. Like, I didn't even want to write that because I know, like, I'm like, oh, dude, like, man, when I was in my 20s and you're telling me that, like, oh, you can't drink alcohol because the way the science plays out is that women are, we're more susceptible to alcohol. So then like that, like 20 something feminist in me is like, don't tell me I'm like, I can't keep up with a man. And like, (laughs) (laughs) you're like shotgunning a beer. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) totally. Right. So, you know, but we talk about those things and the way I come about diet, lifestyle, all of this is not, here's the gospel. And let me pass it to you. Like it's dogma and it's true for everyone. It is what is true for you? Let's help you test it and find out what's true for you. So for some women, it's true that sugar makes acne worse. For some women, it's true that dairy makes acne worse. For other women, it's not. So when we go into the diet, people are like, oh, I have to take out foods and this is super strict. Eh, we're just doing a test here. Okay. So like elimination diets are much better than doing these, um, blood tests and these other tests in terms of like, we're just not there in the science of the testing, but it's for you to understand through the lens. 
How does food affect you? There are lots of people out there being like, gluten is the devil, dairy is going to destroy you. Is that true for you? Like, is it? Like, that's the question. Because then there's other people who are like, eat whatever you want. Junk food doesn't matter. And it's like, well, like, that's not true either. But it also doesn't mean, I don't get down with this, like, that's bad food. Because as soon as you say food's bad, then what do we do? Oh, I ate it. I'm bad. Now I'm a bad, like, stop it. It's just freaking food. Like, we just want to know, like, if if you know that cheese is going to cause acne in you, like, you know, you eat enough of it, you're going to have it. Then you ha- you you enter That's into your an deal, you- right? But then if you're going to have cheese at a party, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, exactly. and you can be like, all right, like I'm making an informed decision, but at least I know. Because the worst thing is, is that you're like, I don't even know what I did, and now I'm going to like cut out everything and take every supplement and just go crazy. And it's like, well, now you don't you don't know what's like working either. So mm-hmm. I go through a whole protocol. If you want to stay on hormonal birth control, how to, how to you know, take care of your body, how to make it easier to transition off. If you had symptoms and that's why you started it, give yourself a good three months to prep your body before you come off. The, the side effect of everything I talk about in the book is you're going to get a whole lot healthier. Like that's the side effect that you're going to have with that. Um, and you know, as you come off, then, you know, there's checklists and everything to keep testing and refining what's true for you. I want you to be your own medical detective. And the goal is, is to build the user manual to your body Mm -hmm. so that you've got the user manual that you, that you really should have gotten. Like we drop into this planet and we should be like getting a user manual. It's like, (laughs) here's how your body works. And so to understand that, it's that user manual is not going to be static. Life is going to change. I mean, who saw a pandemic coming? Like, and what happened in a pandemic? Suddenly everybody's messaging me being like, my period's gone missing. My period's coming too frequently. I have all these period problems. I am broken. Nope. Welcome to being in a hell stressful like situation that nobody saw coming. And there's all these variables. But also people are now spending time to think about it instead of being distracted in the world and running to work nine to five and like picking up the kids and whatever. Now everyone's just kind of noticing what's already been there. I, I would argue for a lot of cases. 100%. And has there ever been a better time in history to really do this work? Because Mm -hmm. you're not going out to restaurants. You're not going to social events. I mean, that all sucks because as women, we are social creatures. Um, Actually, socializing for us helps with our progesterone levels, helps with ovulation. Like it is a really healthy thing. Um, So that part's like, wah, wah. (laughs) We've got this artificial community. But yet at the same time, that social pressure of like, let's just go out and party and drink. Let's just go out and like, let's, you know, eat the donut or this kind of stuff. You can actually stand back and say, hey, what happens to my body if I don't eat the donut for like 21, 30 days? And just meet it with curiosity because it might be like, I will tell you, you know, in the States, I'm gluten-free. I don't do well with gluten. I get inflamed. I feel awful. I lived in Paris. I ate gluten. I had no problem. I was like, mm, hi, croissant. How's it going? Get in my belly. Girl, that's a whole other topic because I have so much to say about it. I don't have time now, but I will say as hope to anybody who's thinking that this would be like a deprivation diet, I did it. I've done it for three weeks with a lot of cheats in there, I'll tell you that. But for the most part, I <laughs> like, here's I, the thing. I lost seven like, pounds. <laughs> I lost seven pounds, pounds without trying to lose weight, just eating clean and naturally. It's all sugar. Wow. It's all sugar. Oh, the, I couldn't, I, I can't believe how much sugar I was ingesting that I didn't realize. Sugar's in so yeah. much. So cooking at home is like the best. 
Yeah. No, you're so right. Like when you look at something and you're like, I mean, when I was getting my nutrition degree and they started to teach you like the, the hundred different names for, uh, you know, sugar, it's like, Oh, a rose by any other name, still a rose. Yep. Yeah. Sugar. Um, that's, that's awesome. You know, it's funny about the whole weight loss thing is that, um, so when you go to write a book and you work with publishers, this is like your business partner, you've got compromises and they put weight loss on my book. And I was like, mm. oh, hell no, we are not mm-hmm. doing this. Like, I am not going to come out oh, in 2019 no. and be like, oh, you need to lose weight. So buy my book because wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I hate that. Like, and I think like we all grew up with that. We saw what it did to our moms mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. it's just not healthy. But my publishers made a really good point. I actually had a podcast where someone called me out on it and I loved it because like this shit, you should hold me accountable for things. And they said, you put weight loss on your book. A lot of people have an issue with that because like, why are you trying to market to weight loss? And I'm like, great question because I actually raised that and I was like yeah, fighting, but like not fighting, you know, but being like pushing back on my publishers. And they said to me, what if a woman walks by in the store and weight loss is the only thing on her mind? And she sees your book and becomes intrigued because she's like, I want to lose weight. That's what it's all about. And your book is not another gimmicky marketing book of just lose weight in like X amount of days by eating nothing. It's like actually a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. And she picks it up because of the weight loss. And now she's introduced to like this entirely different world. And I was like, okay, that's a good point. I actually like, cause it is 100% your right to want to lose weight and for that to be your interest. I just didn't want to be that book of like promising weight loss. So, I mean, that's awesome if you wanted to lose weight and that happened, or if it was just this great little just you know, side benefit. You know, it was yeah. very exciting for you. I went from pooping every other day to every day, <laughs> eliminating <laughs> that excessive estrogen. <laughs> Yeah, it's so crazy it's so- that you would go multiple days without pooping. I well, you know, I always had troubles with pooping. Got a nutritionist, and now I poop like either every day or four times a week now. And I used to poop like once every two weeks. So it really is. All- oh man! And when you said what it is at the end of your fork, it's like a thousand percent. Yeah, and that's the thing that you control, and that's the thing that like look. I'm a doctor. There's a time and a place for these providers. I think it's great that you have them accessible, but what the disservice we have done in medicine is not remind people that they actually have a lot of power in their health and the decisions that they make every day can be such a game changer in their health. And we also, as providers, have to recognize that Patients heal themselves. Like in a lot of these instances, so when when you guys are talking about right here, I have always contended with my patients. I don't heal you. I you heal yourself. I may solve the puzzle, show you the path, but I don't take that step every single day. I'm not with you at the grocery looking at what's in your cart. Like this, although I do sometimes run into patients at the store and they will try to hide their cart, and I'm like. (laughs) Whatever, dude. I'm gonna have some like kettle chips too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, it's not, it's not one of those. Like, perfection is not the name of the game. Like, nobody gets a blue ribbon or gold star because they were perfect at the end of days. Like, right? Like, it's how well did you live your life? And it doesn't have to be this super restrictive all or nothing. It's about understanding your limits for yourself. So like, I know my limits with cheese. I know I will get cystic acne. And guess what? 
sometimes I eat the damn cheese because I'm like, oh, I don't know. your choice. I can't not have you in my mouth right now. Like that's, gonna, that's gonna <laughs> girl. <laughs> All right, Dr. Brighton, I am so thrilled that you're on this podcast. I could truly use another two hours to get to all my questions, Same. but that is what your book is for. So you guys check out Beyond the Pill and thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been an honor. And where can people find you on Instagram real oh, quick? Yeah, she has a great Instagram. Yeah, it's at Dr. Jolene Brighton, J-O-L-E-N-E-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. So Brighton like the sun. You can also find a ton of free resources at drbrighton.com. Women call it the Google of women's health because if you've got you've got a hormone problem, period problem, lady part problem, I probably have the answers there for you. Mm-hmm. So definitely check those out. This has been an absolute pleasure. This is such a fun podcast to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'd love to have you back. Oh, yeah. Like, don't tease us with a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. I don't get it. Podcast.